Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you for the word of God that is issued forth through your mercy and grace. Thank you for all the fathers today, Lord. Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name, Lord. We call them uh, a benefit to our lives, Lord. We know that, that you have tied in this, this person called dad and father into our lives with a purpose. And the devil has attacked us, Lord, to make sure that uh, this relationship is broken, that this relationship does not uh, flourish, that it's not fruitful, that we don't have the end of the provisions that you have set uh, over our lives through our fathers. Father, we pray that, that we would walk different than previous generations. As previous generations rebelled and resented and got bitter because of things that had happened, we pray that you would heal us, heal our hearts, forgive us in our attitudes of rebellion. Allow us, O oh God, to flourish in the blessing of those who honor our fathers, Lord. We pray that their voice would be important and a priority of respect and honor in our lives in such a way that we would have opened heavens over our lives. We pray, Father, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we not uh, trip up, that we not stumble and fall. We pray that you prosper your word in our hearts, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth good fruit, O oh God, and that you would heal our land, Father God, as you have called this world-changing land of Beulah the land of our fathers also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It was um, every, every Father's Day, the challenge is to bring a message that concerns the importance of fatherhood, but we can say that every statistic, every social statistic out there, it's horrendous. In Malachi chapter four, verse six, the Bible foretold, this is the last Bible verse in the Old Testament, and it says, God will turn the hearts of fathers to the children. This nexus is so important and anything that stands in the way from this connection becomes an instrument of, of, of travesty and darkness. When somebody stands in the way of a father's heart to his children or the heart of a children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Unless chaos and confusion is the result of the broken relationship. Uh, we, we see it could be on either side. We, we see that there's negligent fathers, dads that don't know the importance of uh, walking as God would have them walk. Uh, they don't know their place in a child's life. Um, I was just recently um, reading um, the relationship of a gentleman by the name of Hunter Thompson. He was the chief um, uh, editing director of Rolling Stone magazine, the cultural magazine of our day. The last 50 years uh, were molded 
um, culture was molded by people like Hunter Thompson, who was the writer that would write articles and write articles about life and existence. But the issue is his father dies when he's 17 years old. And the great part of his life, he's trying to find himself and try to direct his steps. So when his son was born, and his son is Juan, uh, he named him Juan Thompson, the son of Hunter Thompson. Um, Juan had to write a book, and the book that he writes when his father dies is, he writes a book called The Conversations I Have With Myself About My Father, Hunter Thompson. And so he writes a whole, a big, it's a, a, a nice a book about his experiences with this man who was, for the most part, absent. Because when Juan was a little boy, um, Hunter Thompson kicked him and his mom out of the house, and um, he only got to see him sparingly throughout his lifetime. Uh, it culminated with the most horrible thing that could happen to a son. Um, Juan Thompson was in the living room, and he was with his son, which would be Hunter Thompson's grandson, and they hear in the next room a gunshot go off, and the man takes his life. So, so you see the, the, the long effect of, of a relationship with a negligent dad, and then at the end of the life, leaving his son and his grandson, the, the experience of having taken his life in the next room. They had an incredible house in Aspen, Colorado, um, and, and here he takes his life at the age of 67, um, only to have his son and his family continue to clean up after his uh, negligent ways. So I, I understand, like Kenny was saying this morning, that the call to be a, a dad is a call to high perfection. To high perfection. And in this world where we know we're not perfect, God has says that he created something called a father. In fact, Hunter Thompson did not let his son call him dad. He didn't let him call him father. He called him Hunter. And, he, and they asked him, why did you call him Hunter and not dad? He says he didn't want to think himself as a father. He didn't want to think himself as a dad. And so that becomes a curse too. And so, so some dads will say, okay, I won't be your dad. I'll be your friend. Guess what? Your son and daughter has a lot of friends. They need a dad. They need somebody willing to say, I'm your father. And, and we have a running joke in my house. Um, in this fatherless land, um, my, my sons grew up and it says, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go out this weekend. And they're like, why not? And I would answer, because there's a father in this house. And that meant to them, because I'm responsible to take care of you. And when I make a decision, I'm looking out for your best interest. And it's not, I'm a father and you're going to do what I say because I'm going to, no. It's, I'm taking care of you. I need to make sure that you're rested. I'm going to make sure that nothing happens to you. So this week even, now my kids are grown. They're in college, in law school. And, uh, and Joshua calls my wife and says, hey, uh, we closed the deal, me and Nick, so let's go have dinner. And I'm like, wow, we're going to go have dinner. You know, they closed the deal. So we go out and we have dinner and the bill comes and I start looking around and they start. <laughs> and they're ignoring me. And all of a sudden I go, okay, I'll pay the bill. I said, I thought you, I thought you guys were going to invite me. And they say, no, there's a father in this house. <laughs> so, okay. I, I said, all right, that's good. There's a father in this house. 
Uh, but that is the heart of God. And, and the, world, the world wants to mess with that. And, and Nick was saying it very well on Saturday night. He was saying how the world tries to get you to have issue with your dad. Tries to make you have issue uh, arguments that rise up in your heart. Uh, I've put together a couple Bible verses here. Um, with that first one in Malachi is super important. Uh, I want to suggest that, that Malachi ends with that verse. But if you look at the first part of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 6... Um, God is writing this letter to Israel. It would be their last letter for 400 years. Imagine the last time God speaks. He says, you guys better fix this thing with fathers and sons. And then he doesn't speak for 400 years. And then he brings Jesus in, the New Testament, and Jesus says, I'm the way back to the Father. He says, I'm the way that you could connect with your dad. I bring provision so that you can heal with your issues with father. But in Malachi chapter one, the, the last book that, that is written for Israel to fix things with God, he says a son, a child honors his father. That, that's the framework. A child honors his father. And a servant, a slave, it knows how to treat his master. So I, I want to have this contrast here because it's very important. At the beginning of Malachi, when he's dealing with this subject of fathers and sons, there's a, a son who honors a father. And, and if, if you can't get the relationship right of how you're supposed to treat a dad, the closest thing in the Bible that we have is how a slave is supposed to act before his master. And, and it sounds a bit crude and a, a bit too difficult. But the, the reality is, as soon as you leave the presence of a father, when you're out there in the workforce, you're just an employee with an employer. And if you had issues with your dad at home, you're going to have issues at your workplace. And so through the years, I've tried to get young people to understand that, that your father is not somebody that you're entitled to bash and to disrespect and to dishonor. We do that because we know our dads are not going to kick us out of the house because they're going to buy his clothes, because they're going to continue to take care of us. They're going to continue to reach out. But the truth of the matter, if we were to lose that relationship, now you fall in a category where you're not a son. And if you're not a son, then you're treated almost like a slave because there's no relationship. So God does the contrast between sons and fathers. And I would suggest that those that have a hard time being a son to a father, they treat a relationship with a father as someone who's out to hurt them. They don't understand. Uh, my sons... Um, they can respond adequately to authority figures because they know that authority comes to bless. Authority comes to protect. Uh, authority comes to, to bestow blessing on those that fall within authority. And they're only an issue for those who do wrong, the Bible says. When you do things wrong, uh, you, the hammer comes down and you're affected by it. But if you're doing things right, you get promoted. And so this contract... Let's go contrast, Malachi 1.6, it says a father, 
A son knows how to honor his father, and a servant knows how to honor his master. If then, supposedly, if I am the father, where is my honor? Where, where, is, where is the, um, the weight that's in your heart that is different so a lot of people don't know these concepts, but I, I teach them like this, and we were just in San Domingo. Um, here is your opinion. Here is your father's opinion. And we all have opinions. So we say, oh, that's what you think. This is what I think. This is what I say. This is what you say. And we keep it on the same playing field. So we, we have it. I'm not going to do this because you, you, you don't want me. I want to. And so we're even. But honor is raising up your father's opinion and put it above yours. That's what honor is. And, and we don't know how to do that. So because we don't know how to do that, we, we continue having a bash here and we're fighting. So he's talking there, if I'm a father, then where's my honor? Where is what you bring to the table? If I'm your master, where is the reverence? Where is the respect, says the Lord? And then he says, to you priests who despise my name, Yet you say, in what have we despised your name? How is it that we're not honoring you? And so uh, some young people go out and get, uh, they get earrings, they get a tattoo, and, and, and I tell them, I go, does your father allow you to do that? And they usually tell me, he really doesn't care. So they're all dealing at this level. My dad really, he's indifferent to what I do. And I say, well, what does he prefer? Well, he prefers that I don't. Then that's honoring him. That means that you're, you're raising up to a, what he says to your preference. You're raising up to what he would prefer. That's honor. But, but we live in a generation where people don't know how to honor. Um, the, the, the soldiers of a day ago, warriors, used to say, give me honor or give me death. I would rather die than not to honor, they would say. I, I would rather die than to lose honor, to lose respect. Uh, and that was the measure of those days. Um, today, it seems that, that the more you can dishonor your parent, the, the, they use the word, you're, you're real cool, man. You're, you're going into real fashionable culture here when you despise. Now watch what happens when a father is able to keep, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 7. We talked about the son, but now this talks about a father. And in a father's life, as he walks in righteousness, however a father walks in integrity, keeping true to living a life as expected, his children are blessed after him. That means that what, as a father lives, so his sons are receiving something that, uh, that, that is really powerful. And, and so um, I, I love the, the concept of a name um, because a name is, is what a, a father actually gives his sons. If you say, I'm the, I'm the father, my, my father is, is the president of the United States, or my father is the ambassador to the nations, or my father is, is, is a wealthy and recognized. So all these things pass down to the children. As, as a father walks, his children after him are blessed. Psalm 112 verses 1, it says, blessed is the man who 
who walks in the commandments of the Lord, who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. Who is this man? Who is the man who treats God as a preference? Because I love how a lot of parents want their children, you need to honor me, you need to respect me, you need to, and, and then so you ask them the question, who do you honor, who do you respect, and how do you live? If you're not teaching me how to do that, don't expect me to do it. But these men who fear God and delight in God's commandments, look what it says, verse two. What's the result? Their children will be mighty on the land. The offspring of a generation that is upright will be blessed. There's such a blessing. Um, In in my particular home, there's there's all sorts of uh, atmosphere of honor and respect and and decency. We grew up, thank God, in Jesus Christ. So when I was watching television and my kids were small, um, I would change the channel every time something was not right. I didn't sit there and continue to watch it. Um, Then my kids would grow up and now they have the remote control and they're watching stuff. But they, they get a little bit interested for horror flicks and for movies and stuff that we don't watch in our home. I said, you know what we're gonna do? When they were about 12 or 13 years old, Uh, They weren't little boys no more. Now they're in their adolescence. We're going to go get all the horror movies, all the demon-possessed, all the, what were they called, Um, the exorcist. We're going to get Freddy. We're going to get Friday the 13th. We're going to get really demon-possessed. And they're like, no, Dad. I go, yeah. You guys are letting, I've kept, for 14 years, I've kept the crap out of our house. And now you guys are 14, 15, 16. You're letting it all in. So let's go get really demon-possessed. Let's, let's just make sure that darkness, not just a little bit of darkness, let's make the devil and all his demons come into our house. And they're like, no, you've gone crazy. Because a father keeps evil out, and then our children after us have to keep evil out. They have to keep the junk out of the house. And why? Because of the example. It's horrible that you would tell your children, go into the next room because I'm watching a, the Exorcist 6. So your head is spinning around, your projectile vomiting, and you're going to that room. And, and you're getting demon-possessed, but your kids cannot. Well, I suggest that whatever you let in your house is going to capture the heart of your children. And it's, it's really crazy. Look what it says in verse 3 there. The, the blessing of the Lord is that when there is a man that leaves a name of integrity, wealth and riches will be in his house. And, and I want to suggest that that's not talking about money. A lot of times we talk about money, but this is talking about choosing things that are way above the money choice. Because a lot of people have money, but they don't know how to choose righteousness. They don't know how to choose honor. They don't know how to respect the home. So, so there it is, wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness will endure forever. So we continue on and, and look, because the contrast is this, this is not for everybody. So don't try to push this off on other people. This is not for everybody. The Bible says in Proverbs 30 verse 11 that there is a generation that curses his father. I had never seen this verse in the Bible. Usually the Bible has all the stuff about the generation that honors, the generation that blesses, the generation that respects. 
the generation that knows how to correlate as God would have us in the Bible, but there's a generation that doesn't bless its father. It curses its father, and it doesn't bless its mom. So there are people that from the inception, uh, the, the, you know, I was like that before I knew Jesus Christ. It's time to get up. I'm going to sleep. It's time to go to sleep. I'm getting up. It's time to go out. I'm staying home. It's time to stay home. I'm going out. So that's called a rebellious man. And a rebellious man does the opposite of his father's honor, the opposite of obedience. There is a generation that curses its father. I would like to say this. Um, if you're not doing this relationship with father's right, you're doing it wrong. And then the, what, is, what is the foundation of why these people, I, I can't think of why a generation would curse the opportunity to have a, a healthy relationship with Father. Why, why would they not want it? And watch this. Verse 12 says why. This generation has... There is a generation that is pure in his own eyes. What's that mean? He's judging the matter from his perspective. He has an opinion from his vantage point. And so since he has a vantage point from his perception, a perception from his vantage point, he doesn't consider what his father's thinking or feeling. There is a generation that, that curses their father. Who are they? A generation that is right in his own eyes. That what I'm doing is right. So they don't have the opportunity to get right because they think they are right. They've, they've allowed a sentiment, yet them thinking that they're right in their own eyes does not allow them to wash out the filth. It doesn't allow them to clear the relationship. How is it that if God wants you to connect with a father who will speak to you as a father does, and you, that's, that's his problem. That's what he thinks. That's what he feels. That's what he says. You're not given an opportunity to cleanse what benefits you. So you stand uh, in a position that is contrary to God's open heavens. Verse 13, it goes on to say, it's a generation that not only is pure in his own eyes, it's a generation that is proud, is lofty. They, instead of them, they have an opinion, their dad has an opinion, instead of them raising their dad's opinion above theirs, they have raised their opinion above their dad's. They're lofty in their own eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Have you ever seen somebody pick a fight? They, they, they raise up their chin. You see, humility is, is one of, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to bow down. I'm going to bow out. I'm going to take the low road of honor. And then I'm going to wait that God says he honors those who honors him. He's able to lift you up. Um, but a generation that curses their father, not only... Are they right in their own eyes? They can't watch, watch the filth. This generation is lofty. Their eyes are lifted up. Their eyelids are lifted up. And so verse 14, it goes on to say, not only are they proud and their glances are disdainful, this generation, their teeth are like swords. They defend themselves with sharp words. Their fangs are like knives. 
And they love to devour the poor off the face of the earth and the needy from among men. So in that regards, uh, your conversation will pretty much establish your attitude. Uh, I've been going to a lot of men's conferences the past years, and I hit this issue with fatherhood really strong. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 6, it says that God puts solitary individuals in families. It's like bringing somebody out of prison to prosperity, but the rebel will dwell in dry land. If you're not doing fatherhood right, there's all sorts of huge consequences, and they are negative uh, to boot. Uh, they are uh, contrary. So what, it, what is... Um, the example we have with Nicholas, a couple of years ago, he's graduating from high school, and he says, Dad, I'm going to go get my first job. I'm 19. I want to pay for my gas. I want to help you with, this, with my, my expenses. I said, okay, go get a job, and we'll see what happens. He gets his interview. He gets his resume. He goes, and they say, you got the job, $15 an hour. Oh, the glory. His friends are making 10 and 12. He's making 15. Everything great. And I said, Nick, you got the job? He goes, yeah, they gave it to me. What is it? Well, it's selling knives and scissors with Cutco and it's a great company. And I said, that's great, but you're not going to do that. And he's like, why? Why are you going to mess in my life again? I said, wait a second. I have other thoughts. Go to Gold Coast Realty. What is that? And, and sign up to be a realtor. And he's like, what is that? It doesn't matter what it is. Just walk in obedience. And he, he looks up at the website. He says, they start tomorrow, their class, but it costs $500. I said, there's a father in this house. So I write him a check for $500. He takes the course. Six weeks later, he passes. He takes the state exam 30 days later. So he's working hard. He says these words, I don't want to do this, but my dad is pointing in this direction. And when my dad is pointing in the direction, there's a God in the heaven that's going to bless my socks off. So even though I don't want to do it, even though I don't understand how to do it, even though it's hard, I'm going to walk in that direction. And so he takes the exam and the, he goes, to, it's a three-hour exam. He, he studied hard. We prayed. He went. And the lady says, congratulations, you passed. He says, no, lady, you got the wrong exam. And she goes, no, you passed. You know, have more confidence in yourself. So he calls me. We start crying on the phone. We're like, God is so good. He's so faithful. He goes out and he does his first business deal. And they write him a check of commission for $10,000 within six months of obedience. You know how many scissors and knives that is? That's like 15 years of scissors and knives. But a man who honors his father within a short period of time of not doing what he wants, but denying himself and doing the Father's will. And then, uh, I don't even remember getting a commission off the commission. <laughs> I think we forgot about that one. But no, there's a Father in this house. So, so gateway to blessing is to say, you know something? I'm gonna shut up. I am gonna close my mouth. I'm not gonna disrespect. I'm not gonna dishonor. And so they're walking in favor. He says, since that time, and that was like four years ago, he says, the blessings that have come have long overwhelmingly blessed my life because of one, obedience. And he, some of us are still selling scissors and knives because we don't want 
to honor and to respect. And this is what the Bible is saying. When you start walking differently, you start getting the Father's blessing. One of the impediments to not doing this, Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, if you being evil, this is really powerful because Jesus looks down and he sees selfish dads, fearful dads, irresponsible dads, proud dads, resentful dads, harsh dads. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, he, he knows that our fathers are not the prime example of perfection. In fact, let me just tell you something. If being a father required perfection, then none of us would have to listen to them. Because God did not put that as a prerequisite. He didn't say, if your father is perfect, then listen to him. If your father is good, then listen to him. If your father never loses his patience, listen to him. No. With all of the defects that there are in our lives as fathers, he says, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's, there's a relationship. I want to say this. I want to say that fatherhood is not only a physical, biological existence. It's a spiritual reality. Wait a second. Fatherhood is not a biological relationship. It's a spiritual reality. Therefore, Jesus says, I don't leave you as orphans. I'll send my Holy Spirit to you. What's the Holy Spirit have to do? Yeah, because the Holy Spirit will teach you how to be a son and say, Abba, Father. You'll be receptive to receiving the instruction of anyone who calls himself a father in your life. Be it a pastor, be it a, an older person at church, be it an uncle, be it a coach, be it a grandfather. You'll have a spirit to receive instruction, to receive correction, to be delivered from selfishness. And so he says also in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, furthermore, we had human fathers. This is powerful. Why is the human concept? Why? Because it's frail, it's flawed. We had human fathers who corrected us so that we would pay respect to them. Shall we not much more readily be subject to the father of spirits and live? There's a father of our spirits, God. Shouldn't we have an attitude of honor and respect towards him so that we might live life like he intended? We had earthly fathers. Verse 10 says, they did the best they could. They indeed for a few days disciplined us, corrected us as it seemed best to them. They were doing the best they knew how to do. But God does it for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness that we might partake of something supernatural. So all these things to say that on a day like today that uh, fathers are recognized everywhere. And, and here's what some people have done in the crucial, uh, what, what's happening in Nicaragua today. The mothers have been so abused by men that they teach their children how to be rebellious and respect no fathers. So man was hard with us. So we're, uh, they tell their children like this. This is the biggest curse. Since your father abandoned us, I'm your father. 
but you're not. You continue to be the mom and make sure that you take your child to church and let him have spiritual fathers. Let him have men in his life that will discipline him, that will correct him, that will teach him boundaries, that will be an example, that will speak words of wisdom. You better not think that you're sufficient almighty mom, the omnipotent mom, because God did not create that. He created fathers. And these fathers are men in our lives that can speak into us and discipline us and correct us. And it's super important because sometimes in the overprotectedness of a mother saying your father's a loser causes a woman to go like Ellen DeGeneres and marry another woman and not ever trust another man. No, make sure that you find godly men that are able to give your children an example of words, of thoughts, of actions that will model um, the, about 20 years ago when we started the church and I started getting a lot of Father's Day's card as a spiritual father to this house, um, the number one word that was in all those cards is thank you for being an example. That blew me away. I thought a father was much more uh, uh, you know, complicated, no. It's just you, the way that you live your life is an example that we could imitate. Thank you. That's what a dad is. Somebody who's able to leave you an example. So it's not, no, don't put them <clears throat> on the high and mighty, omnipotent, you never let me down, you always sustain me, you're always present, you're omniscient, you know all things. No, dads make mistakes. Dad make, you know, they're frail. They're, they're full of, of, of frailties and, and abilities to correct. That's not it. Them being human, they did the best they could as it seemed to them. God will reveal this too. This was so important that they would, this would be the first verse that the Lord taught me in the Bible. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, make sure you obey your fathers in the Lord. Because this is the first commandment with a, two promises. Look how important it is. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is God's first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you, and you'll live a long life on the earth. What's the opposite? That it will not be well with you, and you'll live a short life. It gets very convoluted, very complicated to be self-righteous. And this is where Paul writes in this letter, chapter 1 and 2, he, he, he just opens up the heavens. He says, man, the vast creation of everything God made to show you his, his incredible, all that stuff laid up for you. Chapter 3, verse 14, he says, if I'm going to get everything that's laid up for me that God created, I must, for this reason, bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to get what God wants to give you, it's going to require humility. It's going to require an attitude of bowing your knees. The most regretful thing is for a young man is to grow up life in rebellion. And when he gets into his marriage years, now he has to let his wife take the lead. He has to let his, his mother-in-law take the lead. He has to let other women take the lead because he has forfeited his sonship. He didn't prepare. He didn't learn. He wasn't corrected. He didn't receive wisdom. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, from whom heaven 
The whole family in heaven and on earth receives an inheritance, a name. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to all the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man. So as we see these things today, my encouragement to you is to see the effects of having thought you're wiser than the word of God. Lamentations chapter five. Lamentations chapter five, the whole chapter is 22 verses. It's speaking about the results of having despised your dad. A lot of people says, well, until I'm 18. I remember we were just starting the church and Nick was about six years old. Um, and somebody, I think he was eight years old or something like that. Somebody came up to him and says, when you turn 18, you won't have to listen to your dad anymore. That was in church back there in Sunday school. I didn't even listen to it. But when I get back home in the afternoon and Nick is getting ready for bed and he's in the restroom and I go in there, you brush your teeth, Papa, everything's good. And he says, hey, dad. I go, what happened? He goes, is it true when I turn 18, I don't have to listen to you anymore? And I was like, Really? I said, I'm 35 and I still listen to Papi Ting. I'm 35. And so because he was able to see who I listened to, he was healed of rebellion. And it wasn't like 18, I don't have to listen to dad no more. And I start walking like a fool. No, Jesus is saying all these words. I only do what the father says. He's 30 years old. He's 33. He says, I'm going to go give my life on the cross because my father has asked me for it. So he's still obeying and laying down his life for his father. And then some people take positions of ministry and they trample their father. They trample their spiritual fathers. They don't listen to anybody. So it's really important here. He says that um, in, this, in this regard, as we walk outside of a relationship with a father, you grab chapter five of Lamentations. Let's go to Lamentations five, verse one. And you start going through 22 verses and show your sons where they will end up when they despise their spiritual fathers, when they despise their biological fathers. Remember, Lord, this is somebody writing this, right? He says, remember, Lord, what has come upon us. In other words, the result of something has reached us. Look and behold, look at our reproach means our embarrassment. Look at our shame. Verse 2. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens. That means what we should have got, other people are enjoying. What should have been ours, and that's the prodigal son experience. He took off from the father's house, and now he would come back and says, no, I want what's mine. I want you to teach me how to be a servant, which is a slave. I want you to have the respect and the honor. Because then, then that turns into the honor of a father. And, and Nick used to tell me, Dad, there was a time in my life where when I didn't do what you said, you used to spank me. And if I did good things, you would give me a lollipop. But from now on, I'm not going to do it for a lollipop or for a spanking. I'm going to do it out of honor. I said, what? Now it's not going to be reinforcement. If you behave, I'll give you something. No, you should behave because God has incredible things for you. 
not because of an immediate appeasement. It says, our inheritance has been turned over to aliens, to strangers. Where we should have inherited, we missed out our inheritance. Verse 3. We have become orphans. We have become without dads and mothers. Our mothers are like widows. So this thing about, the translation says, we have become fatherless. Our attitudes have left us without fathers. Our, our disposition has cut off the lifeline of blessing. Verse 4. We now have to pay for the water we drink. And now we have to pay at a price. There are some people out there that didn't have a father telling Nicholas, I have something better for you. So they have to go and spend 15 years selling knives and scissors. But if God is giving you a father, why aren't you receiving your inheritance? What is it? A cocotazo, a rebuke. Uh, uh, he's telling you to pick up your room. He's telling you what, what time to eat, what not to eat. He's correcting you. We were the example with Geraldo, who's a trumpet player here. His father abandons him when he's two years old. So he never met his father. Now he's 30 years old, and his father comes back in his life. And he says, hey, are you making sure you're taking care of your money? And he says, he came into my office. He said, pastor, why would my dad, he hasn't talked to me for 30 years, and now he comes back into my life, and he says, what am I doing with the money? I said, listen to me, honor your father. Because that's what a father does. He's going to bust your chops. He's going to ask you if you're doing things right. Don't resent it. Enjoy it. And so he had to like brace himself because he wanted to tell his father, go fly a kite, brother. I'll do whatever I want with my money, you. Ah. But he didn't. He, he, now that he has a relationship with his father, his attitude towards his father will also bless his father. We pay for the water we drink. We pray for the wood that comes at a price. Verse 5. They pursue us at our heels. There's no one to protect us. Listen, when a father's around, nobody's messing with you. End of story. When a father is around, nobody's messing with his children. We were coaching our children at the Little League, and, and it, was, it was at Tamiami Park, and, and I had like 10, 12 players on my team. And so at the end of the league, you get to pick three all-stars. And when I looked at the 12 people, I saw Joshua, Brandon, and Nick. I didn't see any other all-stars. So then some parent came up to me and says, hey, uh, excuse me, sir, why did you pick your sons? I said, why? Who did you want me to pick? And he was going to say, his son. I go, then you have to coach next year. You want to pick all-stars? You got to be the coach. But right now I see three all-stars over there, Nick, Josh, and Brandon. They're amazing. That's what a father sees. And that's why you should want to be in a relationship with a father. And not with some type of sense of entitlement so that nobody is pursuing at your heels. We work and have no rest. We work hard. Um, that's what a father does. He works on behalf of his children. They're the beneficiaries. I don't work for a Mercedes Benz or a Lamborghini or Ferrari. I work for my children. Uh, some guy says, well, your lawyer makes so much money. Where's your sports car? I go, he's called Nicholas. The other one's called Joshua and Brandon. You haven't seen those? They're hot rods. And I got a, a luxury fine liner named Christina. Save her for weekends. But anyway, so here it is. A father is working for the benefit of his children. That's the honor that is bestowed upon us as fathers. Verse 6. If you read each one of these verses and pray about them, we have been given over to our enemies as slaves. 
to be satisfied with bread. They have to go to the world to seek advice. There's nobody giving them advice. There's no one speaking good things into their life. The Egyptians and the Assyrians are speaking into your son's life. Verse seven, our fathers sinned and are no more. There's, there's a break with fathers. So we bear the iniquities. The, the word, uh, the Bible says fathers are the ones that shoot the arrows. When there's no fathers, the arrows don't shoot and the arrows are broken. They don't hit the bullseye because they have a lot of stuff in their life that needs to be straightened out. Let's stand this morning and thank God for the word of the Lord. That you might encourage yourself to restore your relationship with your spiritual dad, with your, the, the, the fathers God has put in your life. Uh, a father might be a father-in-law. It might be somebody that God has put in your life to, to keep. In, in Moses' life, it was his father-in-law. He says, Moses, I see that you're working too hard. You got to break up that labor and, and shed the, 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 the burdens of the people. I, I want you to keep on reading Lamentations 5 because it has the whole list of all the defective flaws and results and consequences of not having a right relationship with your dad. And, and don't beat yourself over the head with the fact that your father is no longer around or he was never in your life. Um, you know, we, we had the example of the last 20 years in our church. We founded the church and then our spiritual fathers for 20 years did not want to partake. And for one reason or another, their disposition was they're not going to be a part of it. And I just waited on God and continued to do what a good son does and not let resentment and bitterness and heartache and bad words and, and all the pride and the loftiness and just continue that when you do things right, God allows right things to happen. And, and, and I've had clients that says, you know something, I never got to tell my father I loved him. And so they, they just start crying and crying. Don't let the devil steal from you. Don't let him come and sow seeds of strife and contention. Uh, Really, it's, it's really not to our advantage in a powerful way. So, so I'm enjoying a season with Pastor Richie um, that is different. He traveled with us to Santo Domingo, and I was like, a, I was like 10 years old again and, and enjoying the fact that I was serving the Lord with a spiritual father. And, and we got to have an incredible time, and I'm looking forward to many more times. But um, all that to say that God has been good to us. He's been a faithful God. And, and, and we, can, we can ask God to perfect our approach as fathers. Um, we're not perfect, um, but we are responsible. We're, we're not perfect. God wants us to toe the line. And then if, if we're subject to these authorities, these father figures, other religions don't have fathers. They have matriarchs. They have strong goddesses. And, and the father is, is absent. Don't allow that to be your case. Press into your fathers and, and allow them to speak into your life and, and I know what they're going to speak things you want, don't want to hear that's what they're going to speak things that nobody else is going to tell you Father thank you this day for us being in the house of the Lord thank you that this is our father's house and we receive our sonship we receive those words well done thou good and faithful servant this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Allow us to live in Jesus Christ's example of John 8, verse 29. That we have fathers and we always do what pleases them, Lord. What is close to their heart, what 
allows their heart to rejoice. Father, remove from us that generation of those who curse their fathers. It's a sad day to be disconnected from the love of God. We pray that you would heal our hearts, that you would heal our wounds, that every experience we've ever suffered, like Joseph did, like David did, like Jesus did, like the prodigal son, that all these would be restored and reconciled to their fathers, that we might have a rich inheritance of discipline, correction, identity. We might have an assurance and a confidence of character that we not despise discipline for it's not reason for joy at the moment, but later brings long season of harvest of righteousness. Be glorified, be exalted. And today, wherever fathers are celebrated, Lord, we are reminded of you who is the perfect father from whom all blessings flow. We worship you and thank you in Jesus' name. And the house of God says, amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.